a little boy, we grew up on those Uncle Arthur Maxwell bedtime stories. How many have had those stories when you were kids? They're, they're great stories. And my brother and I used to enjoy laying up in bed waiting for mum to come down and, and uh, uh, read us these stories. And some of them stick in your mind more than others. And uh, today is one of those stories that I'd like to share with you. It was always a great children's story with me and my brother uh, found in Daniel chapter 6. Uh, but today we also see that it's a bit more than just a children's story. It is uh, one there for us adults as well. And I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of uh, Daniel. And the, uh, the title of the sermon is The Meal That the Lions Skipped. It's not that they were stuffed. <laughs> it's not that they were full, couldn't fit another thing in. It's, it's not even that they had their dessert and, and couldn't, uh, couldn't eat any more. Now you're going to see that uh, it was God's hand looking after his servant. And in Daniel chapter 6 there, it, uh, we begin in verse 1, where the Bible says that it pleased Darius to, to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Who was Darius anyway? We know that from... Uh, Babylon, the most powerful empire on the earth at that time, uh, fell in 539 BC. It fell into the hands of the Medo-Persians. And Darius was the king of the Medes. He was 62 years of age when he uh, had conquered this, this empire, this city. And so now they were establishing their government. They wanted to... Uh, they were in the city of Babylon and they decided to make this their headquarters. And so they had 120 princes, or I know in other versions they call them satraps. These were government officials. Three presidents of whom Daniel was the first. And it just absolutely amazes me how uh, that in, when, you, when you read chapter 5, Daniel chapter 5, that uh, Babylon fell that, that night with King Belshazzar. He was killed, thousands of his lords were killed, many of the Babylonians were, were slain. And yet Daniel was spared from a, an, an invading enemy, the Medes. And why is it that the, Medo, that, that the Medes had set Daniel up as not just a president, but they set him up as the president? This Daniel was next to the king himself. Why, why was that? I mean, that, that tells me, it implies to me that his influence was far beyond the walls of Babylon. It's obvious to me that this, this king of the Medes must have known something about Daniel. And so, I mean, he, he didn't think much of the king, uh, the Babylonian king, but he thought highly of Daniel. And that tells me that whenever somebody honors God, God will always honor them back. And we see this demonstrated in the life of Daniel uh, throughout this entire book, the 12 chapters of Daniel. And so he was reorganizing his, his government. He wanted to set it up to ensure that uh, he had a strong, strong uh, empire and wanted to ensure that every province outside of the city of Babylon was taken care of. He had 120 government officials. 
Then the Bible says, then this Daniel was preferred above the the princes and uh, the presidents and princes. Why? The question is why. Goes on to say, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So here. There was an excellent spirit in Daniel. He was a man that had honored God. God blessed him. We see it throughout the entire book. Uh, how do you think? Daniel was a slave. He was a captive from Judah. He was somebody that had been in Babylonian captivity. He was in exile. Daniel was a Jew taken out of the city of Jerusalem, and here he had been living in Babylon for uh, for decades. He was quite an old man at this stage of his life taken into captivity of around perhaps six, 17 to 18 years of age. Um, he was up around 89, 90 years of age by the time we come to Daniel chapter 6. How do you think this made the Medes, the, these princes, these government officials, how do you think it made them feel knowing that Daniel, this Jew, this captive from Judah, was placed over them? Well, it made them envious. It, uh, they were quite jealous. They didn't like that at all. How do I know that? Verse 4, the Bible says, Then the presidents and princes, here they were joining together, conspiring, sought to find occasion, not for Daniel, but against Daniel, according concerning the kingdom. So what were they worried about? They were conspiring or they were working against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Is the kingdom a political word or a religious word? It's a political word. So they were trying to find something against Daniel politically. And how did they go? The Bible says, but they could find no occasion nor fault. For as, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. There we see a type of Christ directly in the life of Daniel. Do you remember when Jesus was brought before Pilate? And when Pilate had examined Jesus, when he had uh, thoroughly gone through some uh, questions and and um, uh, speaking with Jesus at his trial, he came out and he said to the people, I find no what? No fault in this man. He said it on on a couple of occasions during that chapter. I find no fault in the man. What's wrong with you? Is there jealousy? Is there hatred in you? Is this why you want to get rid of this man, Jesus? And here we see it in the life of Daniel. They, Daniel's enemies, number one, could not find anything wrong with Daniel. He was faultless. There was no error in the man. He also represents the characteristics of the 144,000. Remember in Revelation, do we have that text there? Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 verse 5. Speaking of the 144,000, these are God's people, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are what? Without fault before the throne of God. So not only was, was Daniel a type of Christ, he represents the characteristics of God's people. Here he was found without faults. Now, if anybody's going to find fault with us, who would it be? Well, of course, ask your wife or ask your husband. Uh, they'll soon tell you what, what's wrong with you. Speak to your children. They'll tell you what's wrong with their parents. And they'll tell, they'll, they'll tell, uh, uh, their friends what's wrong with their siblings. Those who will find fault in you are those who are most closest to you. 
And here Daniel was working with the presidents, working alongside the princes. And after everything they tried to find with him that was against him, the Bible says they found him completely faultless. I mean, imagine having enemies like that. Imagine if your enemy, somebody who could not stand you, was asked, why is it that you cannot stand this person? And and after a considerable time of thinking about it, they actually have to say, well, there's nothing. I actually cannot think of anything wrong with this person that I hate. Such was the character of this man, Daniel. How long will it be before we stop being stumbling blocks for those that we love? So they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel politically. So where then did they turn their attention? Notice with me in verse 5. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So now they were turning their attention from something that was political to something that was religious. Let's see, we cannot find it against him uh, uh, with, with, with the laws of the land. Let's see if we can find something against him religiously. The Bible goes on to say then that these presidents in verse 6 and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. Why then, I have a question, why then did they assemble together with this message to the king. It was nothing more than a conspiracy. They were conspiring against this man, Daniel. They had come together. You you might as well say they had come together as one. They had come together with one mind. It reminds me of what's going to happen in the in the future, the very near future. You see, we know that that what they say, history repeats. Here we can see in Daniel chapter 6, history will repeat. History will repeat. Uh, they are here of one mind. We know that in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 13, uh, the world leaders, the political leaders of the world, the Bible speaks of them as kings coming together as, as, as one kingdom, singular, not in the plural, in the singular, they will be of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. Once again, the beast is, is symbolically known as a, a ruling power, a political power. And, and the kings of the earth, the Bible says in Revelation, will come together in, with one mind. For what reason? Because they want to get rid of God's people on the earth. Because they have something against God's people. And if they cannot find them, find something wrong with them politically, then they will turn their attention on something that is religious. And here in Daniel chapter 6, these princes, these presidents came together with one mind, with one purpose in mind, and that was to get rid of God's servant Daniel. Once again, we see history will repeat because the 144,000 in Revelation are God's people. And this is who it is against. It is against these people who serve God to get rid of them, to get rid of them. 
Verse 7, the Bible says, All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now the Bible says all the presidents, these guys came together, speak to the king, they said, listen king, all the presidents have come together. Were they telling the truth? Of course they weren't telling the truth. Who was missing? Of course it was Daniel. The head of the presidents was not there. Why do I know that? Because this was the very person that they were against. Why on earth would they have a meeting with... You would never invite invite the person that, that, that you've got something against. You would never invite them... Well, if you were Christian about it, you would. But these guys were not Christian. And so they, they have this meeting together to conspire against this man, Daniel, to get rid of him. They couldn't stand him. And so they go to the king and they said, listen, king, all the presidents, all the president, princes, the 120 of us, the governors, the officials, the counselors, we, we, we've, we've come together. And this is what we want to tell you, king. Whoever will make a petition of, of uh, uh, meaning a petition if, if you, um, any man who prays, any man who worships God for the next 30 days, save you, a king, will be thrown into the den of lions. It was once again a political degree, but it was aimed at something that was religious. Now, we know that in the very near future, same thing's going to happen. We call it the mark of the beast. Well, the Bible does. And this is where their attention is focused on God's people. On It's a political decree given against something that is religious, something that is dealing with worship. And if you fail to worship the way they want you to worship, then the death decree will be issued. And here we find in Daniel, in, in, in the time of Daniel, that if anybody worships anything or any God except you, O king, they will face the death decree. They will be thrown into the den of lions. Now, how long, how long was this decree to last? The Bible says it was to last for 30 days. Now think about this. Wouldn't it just be easy to shut up shop for 30 days? I mean, it's only a month. So just forget about praying. Forget about having family devotions. Forget about having your personal devotions. Just just lay low for, for 30 days. Then it'll all be over and we can go back to doing what we've been doing. Now, it would be tempting, wouldn't it? Rather than face the den of lions. Verse 8, the Bible says, Now, O king, establish the decree. Sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which alters not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. You see, the king was flattered, and people will do anything and say anything when it comes to flattery, won't they? When they want to get to the top of things, when they want to, when they've got, as I was mentioning last week, when they have self-ambitions, when it's only self-interest, they will do what it takes and say what it takes to ensure that they get what they want. And here they were flattering the king, saying, King, nobody is to worship you but you, O king. Oh, king, we just think you're the best. King, we think you're the best, the best leader that we've ever had. 
Little did the king know that he was being tricked. And they also reminded the king that this is a law, the law of the, Mede, the, the, the law of the Medes and Persians. This is a law that cannot be reversed. The reason why they did that, it was a very big thing in the, in the, in the land of the Medo-Persian Empire, was because uh, the kings did not want to be seen as somebody that was weak. They did not want to be seen as somebody that was almost fallible. So whatever the king said, that was it. It stayed and it stuck. And so they reminded the king, King, you can be the one that we worship for 30 days. And it is a law that cannot be reserved, uh, that, that cannot be reversed. Such hatred they had for this man, Daniel. Now, when Daniel knew in verse 10, when he knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Let me ask you this question. Is it a sin to pray with your windows closed? Is it a sin to not pray three times a day? Of course it's not a sin to not pray three times a day. What was, was Daniel aware of the decree? Yeah, the Bible says when he knew the writing had been signed. So he was definitely aware of this, this decree. Then why didn't he play it smart? Why then didn't Daniel close his windows and go into a closet where he could just pray for the next 30 days? Why did he have to open his windows? Why then did he have to kneel down and pray knowing full well that if he was caught, he would be thrown into the den of lions? Why? The key word, the key word in verse 10 is aforetime. What does aforetime mean? It means as he had always done in the past. It was habitual for Daniel to pray three times a day. It was habitual for Daniel to kneel down and open those windows towards Jerusalem and spend time with his maker. It was his habit. It was his custom. It was his custom. Remember what verse 5 says. We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. It was a trap that they wanted to set for Daniel, not in the political realm. Mind you, they used the political realm to get, to get at him religiously. It was a trap. Why didn't they have second thoughts? Why did they even know that Daniel would fall for this? You know, wouldn't they have thought or been tempted to think, listen, what if Daniel just closes his windows? What if he goes and prays somewhere else where nobody can see him? Then this whole thing has been done in vain. This whole plan will come undone. You know, it tells me that these men were so confident in Daniel that he was, he was, uh, what's the word? He was so in tune with God that nothing was going to change him. What a witness Daniel was to his enemies. They had full confidence and trust that Daniel would open his window and pray to God regardless, irrespective of, of this death decree that had been uh, given through the uh, the kingdom of the Medes. Verse 11, the Bible says, Then these men assembled, and they found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Here, you know, you could say it was a spy trap. 
Yeah, these guys acted like spies. You can imagine when the decree had been given and they all assembled together again and, and waited behind the column to see where Daniel's window was and they just waited there to see what he would do. And of course, if they had more than two or three witnesses, then their plan would work. Then they came near and spoke spoke before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, say of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? What were they doing? They were reminding the king of what he had signed. They were reminding the king of what this whole uh, decree was about. King, didn't we get you to sign? Didn't we tell you about signing this petition that anybody that worships uh, anybody except for you, O king, for 30 days will be thrown into the den of lions. The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes of the Persians, which alters not. Once again, the king even says, this is the law that cannot be reversed. You know, it amazes me that it made no difference to Daniel whether the death decree was in or not, it made no difference to him. He was going to pray the way he had always prayed in the first place. And I just wonder sometimes, you know, the focus may not be on Sabbath keepers now. But I do know this, is that when the Sunday laws are enacted, mark my words, the focus will be on Sabbath keepers. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep opening your windows and kneeling down and praying to God towards Jerusalem? Amen. Or are you going to run and hide in the closet? Made no difference to Daniel whether the death decree was there or not. Verse 13. Then answered they and said before the king, Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regards not, regards not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. He set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. I have a, a, a quote from the spirit of prophecy I'd like to share with you. If we can have it up on the screen, please. For an entire day out of Prophets and Kings, page 542, for an entire day, the princes watched Daniel. Three times they saw him go into his chamber and three times they heard his voice lifted in earnest intercession to God. That's how they knew Daniel was praying because it wasn't that he was meditating. He could have looked like he was meditating. The, the, the quote says that three times they heard his voice. So bold was Daniel. So confident was he in his maker. Nothing was going to stop him from spending time with God. They heard his voice. They heard his voice. Was the king happy? According to these verses, the king now realized that he had been tricked. The king now realized that he had placed Daniel in danger. 
And the Bible says that he was so displeased with himself. He was so upset because now he realized that his good friend Daniel, the very one that he had placed as the head of all the presidents, was now facing the lion's den. Then these men assembled in verse 15 unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king establishes may be changed. Here the king and Daniel was trapped. He realized that there was no way out for Daniel. And even being the king, he, he recognized that he couldn't even reverse the law. These guys were reminding him and telling him, listen, you're, you said yourself, king, that this law cannot be reversed. He was trapped. But little did they know, little did they know that these guys were trapping themselves. They were preparing themselves for the den of lions. They were what we would say today, digging their own grave. They were digging their own grave. Then the king commanded in verse 16 and they, that they brought Daniel. They cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spoke and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose night might not be changed concerning Daniel. Was Daniel, uh, sorry, was the king aware that Daniel served a God? The God. A living God. Of course we know that because he says there in verse, verse 16, Daniel, the God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Words of encouragement from a pagan king to a Christian. Daniel, the one that you have prayed to for year in and year out, he will come to your rescue because you serve him on a continual basis. He knew, he knew the witness that Daniel had, had given through uh, his life there, not just in the Medo-Persian Empire, but also in the Babylonian Empire. Then the king went to his palace in verse 18, and he passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. Now, have you ever had that experience this particular night? He had lost his good friend Daniel. He placed the seal over this, 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 uh, uh, the entry that took you into the lion's den. He went home. The Bible says that he had a sleepless night. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He didn't want to even listen to music. Have you ever had that experience where you are just sick in the stomach because of what's going on in your life at that particular time? Yeah, I've had a few instances, a few uh, times like this. I remember my brother and I. We were um, we started in the in the building industry, and uh, we were pretty we were pathetic um, apprentices, man. I tell you what, uh, I take my hat off to my father. Uh, the patience he must, well, the patience that he didn't have, but had to learn to get, uh, it was was with my brother and I. I mean, we just we didn't know what we were doing, and oftentimes, my father he'd just leave us on the job and say, "Listen, you got to do this, you got to do that," and we're just sitting there scratching our heads, thinking, "What did he say?" We, we, we didn't we didn't have a clue. 
And I remember this one particular time, Dad was under pressure and he had to draw up some plans. So, so he stays home and he sends my brother and I down to this job and we're just standing there trying to read a plan that we didn't understand. And we're just thinking, man, I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do this. So we, so we just sort of took a guess and we start making this frame up and we stood up all these frames and we we're quite proud of ourselves at the end of the day. Uh, so we go home and Dad says, so how'd you go? He says, yeah, yeah, we went well, we got this done, that done. He goes, oh, did you do this? Did you do that? <laughs> we lied. We said, yeah, 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 we've taken care of that. By, by that time, we knew we were in serious trouble. <laughs> we were in big trouble. And uh, my brother and I, we shared a room at the same time, at that time. And and we went to bed, I tell you what, we couldn't eat, we couldn't sleep. <laughs> we didn't even want to listen to ACDC music. <laughs> no, no wonder we weren't getting anywhere at that age. Uh, our head was just full of nonsense. And we're, we're sitting there, we're thinking, man, what are we going to do? And we knew that Dad was coming on the job the next morning. We just said, that's it, we're toast. We're gone, we're just, that's, we're, it's over, our life is over. And the, and, the, and the good thing was, was that we got up in the morning and, and Dad had said, listen, he said, I need to stay home another day to keep working on these plans. And my brother and I, even though we weren't following the Lord that day, but we said to ourselves, praise the Lord, Dad is staying home. So we took off very early the next morning. So early the sun hadn't come up, the birds hadn't even started to sing. And we get down to this job site and it was an extension, right? So people were living in the house. And we had to go out there and we're carefully pulling these frames down. We're trying to pull these frames apart without making too much noise and uh, and we were fixing everything that dad had said the night before to see if we'd done it and we said yes and we said no we got that we got that sorted out and I'll tell you what we slept well the next night <laughs> I've had a few court appearances that I've had to uh, appear before the judge and I always remember those times I didn't sleep that well either the, the night before because I didn't know what the verdict was and I got into some pretty serious trouble. I, I actually thought I was uh, facing some time in, in prison. And uh, uh, thankfully, the Lord had um, saved me from that one. And isn't it funny, you know, sometimes we have those experiences where we say, Lord, please, please get me out of this, this mess that I'm in. Please, I've dug myself in the hole. I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that I've done, I realize that I haven't been walking with you for, for, for 10 years. Lord, if you can get me out of this one, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll be a priest. I'll be a nun. I'll do whatever. I'll be a missionary. Yeah, it's funny how we all become religious, isn't it? Hey, all of a sudden, God is number one in our life. And when he gets us out of the mess, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for getting me out of this crisis. I'll see you to my next, at my next one. And then we go on living our, our life of sin. But here, Daniel, he was a completely different person. The king could not sleep. He couldn't eat. The Bible says that he went down early the next morning, and I imagine that it was before the sun even had uh, had risen. And he goes down there and notice what he says. Then the king rose, verse 19, early in the morning, went and hastened to the den of lions, verse 20, and he came to the den and he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom you serve continually, is he able to deliver you from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Lamentable voice in my version. It was a voice of distress. The king was concerned for the safety of Daniel. What a king. He loved Daniel. 
You could tell he loved Daniel because he knew that an excellent spirit was in him. What a witness. Halfway down verse 20, we see that the king spoke to Daniel and what did he say? He says, oh Daniel, servant of the living God. The king calls Daniel the servant of the living God. Once again, we see these words being repeated in the near future. We see that in Revelation chapter 7, I don't think I put that on there, did I? Revelation chapter 7, the four winds are held back until the what? Until the servants of the living God are sealed. The servants that are sealed are the 144,000. And once again, we can see the characteristics of Daniel matching that of the 144,000. They are the servants of the living God. We see that Daniel was also the servant of the living God. The servants of God are protected by the four winds of strife. And here we see the servant of God is protected in the den of lions. We know that he was protected. How do we know that he was protected? Verse 21, he, he answers back and he says, Go, king, live forever. Oh, that must have been music to the king's ears to hear this faithful servant respond back to the king. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Through the entire chapter of 6, Daniel chapter 6, you do not see Daniel making a word, speaking a word. They conspire against him. They make a decree against him. He, 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 he breaks the law and they throw him into the den of lions. And it's the very first time that you see Daniel proclaiming his innocence. Was it outside of the lion's den or was it in the lion's den? It was in the lion's den. It was in the lion's den. And now I wonder what would happen to us if, uh, if, if it was you and I that were going to be dragged to the lion's den. Would you proclaim your innocence before or after? <laughs> we'd be hiring the best lawyers. We'd be getting the, 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 the best, uh, what do you call them? Barristers. You'd be mortgaging your home. You'd be, you'd be funding up all the money that you could to ensure that you, uh, could stand and defend your innocence. But here Daniel said not a word, not a word until he was found in the lion's den, until he had gone through his experience. Here the Bible says that the angels had shut the lion's mouth. You know, it's interesting, the, the Daniel, he never complained to the king that he had been set up. He had never complained to the king that it was a trap. He never told the king that he wasn't there when they told him all the presidents and all the princes have, 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 have met together. He didn't say anything. Such was the trust and the confidence that Daniel had in his, in his God. Verse 23 and verse 24, what happens? Then was the king exceedingly glad. He wasn't just glad, he was over the moon. 
He commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no matter of, no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Amen. Amen. He believed in his God because he had faith in his God because he, he trusted in the one that he had prayed to every day. God had protected him. Just goes to show that, you know, my friends, we know that when we are faced with the death decree, that if we are faithful, that God in his will, in his way, in his providence, he will take you through. And even if he doesn't, he has a far greater plan for you. Whether he wills it or not, whether he chooses to spare your life or not, God looks at the bigger plan. And this is something that we need to practice and put our faith into. And so here we see that these, uh, in verse 4, 24, the king commanded, they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives, and the lions had mastery of them and broke all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. So it goes to show, friends, that these guys, these men, these presidents, these princes, they they had so much hatred for Daniel that little, whether they knew it or not, but they were under the mastery of Satan. Because they were under the mastery of Satan, they lost their lives. But not only did they lose their lives, their families lost their lives as well. And I want to appeal to you today as mothers and as fathers, as we are rearing and raising our children. We may not be perfect. We may get things a little wrong. But I want to appeal to you today to say that whatever we do, whatever example we are leading or or setting, that we need to factor in our wives, our spouses, and our children. Please, don't let Satan have the mastery over your life. Remember Achan. He coveted a goodly Babylonian garment. For what? And he and his entire family lost their lives. Well, verse 25, the Bible says, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree, he says, that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He that delivers and rescues, he that works signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. What a witness Daniel was to this pagan king. King Nebuchadnezzar praised the God of heaven and he declared all the signs and the wonders and now we see King Darius of the Medes saying the same thing. And then verse 28 finishes and says, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God sealed Daniel and he protected him through the death decree, my friends, and he prospered in the kingdom. And the same can apply to you and I. I'd like to just uh, finish up by saying or appealing to you today, friends, that Daniel... <laughs> 
was a busy man. Daniel was a president. Daniel lived a very busy life. And yet Daniel maintained a prayer life. He maintained a walk with the Lord. And no matter how busy you and I are, and I know that many of us, if not all of us, lead busy lives. We are in the 21st century, we lead busy lives. But no matter how busy we are, Daniel sets a worthy example for each one of us to spend some time with God. Amen? The book of Daniel, we see that God was with his people in the furnace. He was with his people in the den of lions. God sets up kings and he removes them. He sets up empires and he destroys them. And the one thing that I learned as a child growing up was that my God, the God that I serve, is our creator God. He is the God that is in control. And he is only too willing to control your life and make time for you if you are willing to make time for him. God bless you all.